For March 9th, 2020, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 610. This space where I was free. Overthinking it, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet. Never happier than when we are turning our contemplation on uh, topics that may not deserve it. I'm Matt Rather. That is Peter Fenzel. Hey, Pete. Hey, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Why? Why? I hear your. Uh, I hear your your grounded booming voice over this this it's it's just so grounded it's so yes, yes it's a, it's like your tone is in the basement pete geographically speaking no topologically speaking <laughs> where are architecturally speaking where are you now uh, topologically, architecturally, though perhaps not emotionally, I'm currently in the basement. Uh, so those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, of course, probably realized I had some technical problems last week, which is unfortunate because I thought it was a really interesting conversation and I would have liked to have – so also would have liked to have seen it sound like the Hedgehog movie, but we all have things that we'd like to do. And it was because I was moving. And so now I am set up in my new podcast layer, which could use a little bit of a better better sound deadening and a little bit more of a situation. But but I have a house now and I'm in the basement and I felt like this was an interesting topic from an experience of pop culture perspective, as well as sort of painting the picture for all of you at home who are big overthinking it fans and just want to know how this, you know, the kind of the kind of lifestyle that can support sixes or sevens of hundreds of relatively low cost podcasts can, uh, can really make it all happen. Um, I, I, if you, it is, it is a house that is on the side of a hill, right? So the hill kind of goes down and you're, you're off the side of a road in a relatively, relatively remote part of town, pretty far from Boston because, uh, we couldn't afford to live closer, but you know, that's I think true for a lot of people. And, um, if you come down off the street and you come down towards the house, the house looks like it's only got one story from the front. Uh, but of course, we all have more than one story, right? Uh, but if you go if you go down the hill further, you realize the back half of the house, of course, is exposed above ground level, right? Because the 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 um, hill keeps sloping down. So I am in what we call the den. You could call, I think the basement is a good name for it because it's something we can discuss from a pop culture perspective. But it's got a big old picture window which right now looks out into an empty black woods. Um, the house is built on conserved land, which means that we can't really do much to change it, which I think uh, limits to, to a certain extent our ability to profit off of this place, which I think was never really our hugest intent here. Um, and, but we do like it because it, you know, by becoming sort of stewards of this protected area, you know, paying a little bit of extra in order to have it, I do sort of feel like we are both uh, – getting what we wanted, which is a little bit of space, but also being a little bit responsible of it. But anyway, giant picture window to my left looking out. I've arranged furniture here in a little L. So I've got my credenza, which I got for like 60 bucks in Alston near BU on my left, Boston University. And then I've got my old desk in front of me. So I got a little more space and I'm surrounded by cardboard boxes, just dozens of cardboard boxes of books. Uh, but the vision, right? The vision for the basement is... 
you know, you always want to pass something down to your kids that you really enjoyed. <laughs> and I would love for this basement to become a place where people like to hang out because I do think that it is an undervalued room. Uh, certainly the idea of is your basement finished is an interesting question, right? Finished with what? Is it is it finished being a basement? Is it finished uh, as in you as in every basement that isn't finished? Is it even started, right? Oh, I've, so I, for, I mean, for, I've been in some basements, Pete, and you look around and say, huh, this basement is finished. <laughs> I, I feel like this is worth pointing it to. Before I start talking about sitting on an old couch playing Shadows of the Empire in my friend's basement, right? And then sort of what is the ritual space of the basement? What is the Cheeto and Mountain Dew space of the basement? What is the basement as a sort of adolescent space? And a sort of uh, suspended a space that's perhaps a little bit suspended in in uh, space and time in its own right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I do. Th- I do think that. Um, oh, oh man, it's just it's. Uh, I lost. I lost my train of thought just a tiny bit. I'm just a little bit. Oh, finishing. Yes. What I wanted to say was that I didn't necessarily know what this meant when I first heard it. And I think a lot of our listeners are a little bit younger. And so I will explain because we learn useful things and we share them. So. Uh, a finished room, right, refers, I believe, particularly to the floors, but also in general to whether you've made a space that has a functional purpose in in holding up a building or being part of a building or storage or what have you into a place that can be habited by people on the regular without, say, water coming into it or like lots of uh, concrete dust coming up into the air uh, or lots of, you know, sort of that you think about a finished floor as a floor where the concrete has been sealed over if it's sort of porous and able to retain water um, and has been put – had some sort of floor surface put on it so that when you're walking around, you're not walking around in sort of the damp groundwater that surrounds the building. And this this might be a single-family house. It might be a multifamily house. It might be an apartment building. Uh, I think the more sophisticated the construction, the less likely you're going to blunder into a fully unfinished room. But a lot of houses have unfinished basements, meaning the floor is porous, and, and it's not really a place where you're supposed to spend a lot of time. And um, here, of course, we have a lovely faux – wooden plastic floor, which is squishy and looks wonderful and is delightful. Um, and and in there's what, in lots of light. In what sense is it squishy? The you sense that when you... It's yeah. like a sprung floor? I don't think it's, I don't think it's sprung. Uh, oh, which, but of course, it has you're referring that, to like... It has that feeling like you when, yeah. you, step, when you step on it, it's not like you're stepping on poured concrete. It's like you're stepping on uh, a, a wood floor that is, you know, has like subfloor or something like that. It definitely feels like you're walking across a thin plastic mat. Uh-huh. Um, like, like you're walking in a, in a wrestling gym or something, but it's not quite as squishy or, or, or sprung, which I think is referring to floors where the construction is highly elastic, right? And, and the floor bounces. Yeah. It's like a dance, uh, so that that's a dance, dance floor. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so so I would say that this basement is finished, but we are just getting started, uh, making it making it the basement of our dreams, I suppose. And hopefully, I'll be able to, even with a baby on the way, talk about plenty of fun pop culture from this basement to, to all of y'all. Perhaps things that he likes. Uh, perhaps things down the road uh, that we watch together. We shall see. So, uh, Matt, have you had a special basement? Unless you had other things you wanted to ask me about my basement before we move on to sort of these cultural experience of the subfloor of the not the subflooring, but of the uh, the subterranean life, right? Ha- hashtag mole life. Uh, <laughs> hashtag basement life. 
Um, did you have a basement that was yeah, special I mean, to like, you ever? No, uh, no. The answer is growing up, no, because huh. the, the uh, houses on the West Coast or houses in Los Angeles in general don't have basements. Oh, um, not even unfinished ones. They just don't have them. No, they, they don't have them. So You, you don't either, want to be buried in an earthquake or something? Is that what it is? Not, oh, I guess that's <laughs> – yes, yeah, something like that. I also think it might have something to do with the quality of the soil. I mean, L.A. is, after all, a desert. And so, you know, digging digging giant holes in it. Though, I you know, I take that back because they build underground parking they build all kinds of underground stuff so it's it's probably not that i i i guess it you know you'd have to research a little bit to figure out what the dynamics of construction here are such that basements never became a thing but most most houses are either slab on grade or have a raised foundation so they have like a crawl space underneath um in which you know uh electrical or or ducting or whatever can be run and like rats can live and chew out your electrical and your ducting and uh, termites can get in and really cause all kinds of habit. Anyway, the, the, so there was a crawl space, but it was not a, uh, it was not a place that you wanted to go. It was a place where when uh, someone had to go down and service it, some, you know, a person repairing some function on the house had to go down and service it. They would like put on a new pair of coveralls and like a hood and a mask uh, in mm-hmm. order to crawl down um, below the, and like a respirator or something in order to, to crawl down below below the house but i i had um so i i had a uh, in my my sort of still unsurpassed probably best apartment ever which was the first floor of a victorian house in connecticut um in my late 20s uh that i had uh the the it had the uh, top two floors of the house were occupied by the owner and his family and he was like a general contractor or something and it had fixed the whole thing up himself um my my floor was pretty nice and his floors were very nice uh where where he lived and he had finished my part of the basement the basement was divided in two uh such that my unit the first floor led down into it um led down into one side that was walled off with a locked door from from the other side and he had put you know it was not finished in the sense that you're talking about in that it was just uh the floor was i think poured concrete um but it was finished in that he had uh it was made usable it was made you know in some sense habitable by um by putting drywall up uh all you know over the studs on on the walls and so i had this room and i ended up using it as a music room so i put my my digital piano my my um keyboard down there uh and had like shelves of of music stuff and like an amplifier mm-hmm. that i could blast and and not uh bother you know him and and his wife and his two babies um so yeah, it was this it was this sort of like rec room kind of thing, but for my my particular recreation which l- looks like work to other people, which is, you know, going down and and uh and practicing the piano. I also had laundry down there and I had what to me was at the time the height of extravagance. There was a laundry chute that went from the bedroom in this apartment down uh a you know drywall passage that had been um constructed and was the only part of the of the drywall that had been taped and painted uh to keep you know mo- to keep any moisture from like getting you know ruining the drywall um in case you put like a towel down there or something like that i i had a a laundry chute that went down to the laundry room and i i it was like i i i felt like a rockefeller pete it was uh it was just <laughs> it was uh, amazing to not have to like carry that 
uh, basket of laundry down the stairs. Though you had to carry it up, which I suppose is the harder direction. But yeah, so I had I had this like basement kind of kind of rec room. I would have like rehearsals down there for theater and music projects. It was pretty uh, it was pretty rad, and I I you know I sort of miss it. Though it was certainly not it was not comfortable uh, in the sense that yours is comfortable. Like the 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 best place to sit was like a, a piano bench, and that was. You know, it was meant. It was meant. It was a studious and monastic uh, basement, white drywall, like austere white drywall on on all mm-hmm. sides. As I, uh, you know, as I, you know, tried to learn a, a Bach three part invention or something like that. Now, can I ask if your space? Do you have a name for this space? I mean, I called it the basement. The ba- oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> The, oh, was it like was it like the music room or the conservatory or something? Like that? Yes, you know? I went to I went to go to my practice room. I went to go to the 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 secret layer. No, it was the basement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was the it was the basement, and it it was nice. It, it actually turned like a two bedroom sort of. Uh, it it was a two bedroom. Uh, place into sort of a three-bedroom place, except the, two of the three bedrooms were not really usable because there was an attached, there was a, uh, an attached bath to one of the bedrooms and not to the other two. So I used one as an office and one as the conservatory, the, the uh, music room, the practice room, the, the lab, the, uh, the creation space, the co-working space. The, the, I, was, I was, you know, revolutionizing uh, the way our, our collaboration in, in the basement. Did you ever visit me in that? house pete i don't think so this uh, was in california oh, was this in california no, or was, it was this in new haven yeah it was in- oh yeah no i think i was in that house once you had a very big bedroom i think right yes yeah, it was yeah, it was large. Yeah. It was a whole floor of a Victorian house that I rented for less than one thousand dollars a month, and it was uh, the best deal in real estate uh, that I've ever had. Frankly, that's amazing. Why why was it so cheap? Because that was just the market at the, yeah. you know, at the time. It was, it was a different time. It was yeah. a different time. It was a different time in a different place, yeah. Did your basement have poles in it? Like <laughs> visible supports? Uh, no, they were, they were, I mean, there was nothing load-bearing. There were no, like, beams in, or poles in the middle of it. They were all concealed in the wall that had been created between my part of the basement and the owner's part of the basement. Ah, so the, so the basement, so there was a basement wall that included the load-bearing structures within its construction. Correct. See, for me, a load-bearing column that, or, or pipe or, or some sort of, uh, sort of, well, a shaft, I suppose, a pole. Yeah, like a four by four, like a piece of four by four lumber or something like that. Right, right, right. Is, is, to me, feels very characteristic of a basement space and very endearing, perhaps because we had a basement growing up and I have four sisters. And so it was a busy little place full of toys. And it was the sort of place where everything there was pretty much safe for kids. There was the kids half of the basement and there was the sort of parents half of the basement, which was like laundry and storage and paper towels and the furnace and stuff. And for us, it was where all the toys were and it had kind of carpets. It would periodically flood, but every, you know, a bunch of our toys would get thrown out, but then we would get new toys uh, because, you know, there's five of us and birthdays, it's keep happening, I suppose. And it had a steel pole in the, off to the side a little bit, maybe about two thirds of the way up. And, and I, I mean, again, you want to keep your kids off the pole, right? That's what we all aspire to do. No, no, no. It wasn't like that. It was it was thicker around, right? It had it had more. It was it was a supportive uh, strut of some kind for the for the house. Uh, um, 
And and we would swing around it. Like I remember I would like put my hand on it and use the friction of my hand against its sort of mottled maroon paint. Right. And kind of slide around and spin like it was singing in the rain. Right. Um, I remember the name, the geometry of so many different little playtimes. Right. I can't I can't count the number of times that Negatron had to escape by somehow circumventing the pole in some way from probably from a Ninja Turtle or a naked Barbie that was in hot pursuit because uh, things got kind of muddled together. It was quite the uh, Poundian, the Ezra Poundian vortex of different sorts of uh, 80s and 90s children's toys down there. But but I, I was thinking about this. Why is it that I feel so at home? with having a support strut of some kind in the middle of the basement. And there's two of them that I'm looking at right now. And I think part of it is that it feels like the basement is letting you in on a secret. Like you get to know about something that's true about the house that you don't know anywhere else in the Mm. house, which is that there are stuff that's holding it up, right? And that it has bones. You get to see one of the bones of the house, like right there. And also the notion that that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, finish finish no, your thing. It, I haven't thought about. Well, that's that's interesting from a Marxian point of view. I think mm-hmm. right. The the one of the ideas of Marxism is that the commodity masks the means of production. You know mm-hmm. that you you don't see the history of exploitation and surplus value when you look at at uh, something that's a that's a commodity that you you know buy or sell in a in a transaction in a marketplace. Um, but the the and and that's that's true of. Uh, of your house as well like as as my landlord uh had you know hidden the the load-bearing structures beam supports they're not beams exactly i don't even know what to call them supports yeah. i guess uh um, girders <laughs> yeah the uh you know, whatever the, the pieces of like four by four lumber or like engineered, whatever, like, um, whatever those are that had been, you know, that had been hidden. Uh, you, you don't, you don't want people to see that stuff. You know, you put, you put drywall up so that your walls or, you know, plaster or whatever, so that your walls are not visible. Um, the, the, like the substructure of the house, right? Like the house, the architecture masks, um, the means, the means of production and the, so so the the thought i had when you're talking about how the house is letting you in on a secret is that the house is being in some sense decommodified um mm. by you know revealing something about its essential nature to you you know something about something that is sort of uh, not exactly economically but sort of in engineering terms something that is true about the house but that would be that would be hidden for you but for your sort of special uh special relationship with this this part of the structure right right i think i would also add furthermore thinking about the basement of my childhood most of the walls were drywall except the wall it was a very old house Mm. and except the wall between the uh children's area and the laundry area was brick Mm. and was painted over. Uh, It might not even have been brick. It might have been mortared stone, Mm. right? I mean, this house was a hundred years old. And uh, if it was a day, if it was a day, right? And I remember, I mean, one of the worst things that I would do in my life was bounce a ball against that while other people were asleep, just totally oblivious in my underdeveloped, you know, parietal lobe or pre precortex of teenagehood that what I was doing was going to keep awake everybody in the house, right? Um, but uh, thinking that I was because I was in the basement, yeah. I was in this space where I was free, right, to do such venal things as bounce a ball against a brick wall because there the wall becomes a brick wall, not necessarily necessarily the intermediate wall in the basement of the house. So on one hand, I can see the Marxian interpretation 
religion. On the other hand, I can also see this sort of suggestion association with other things, too, uh, which is like I, I see the girder. The girder is the girder that supports the house. And as such, it kind of decommodifies the house. It also is, you know, uh, a, a stand for a high tension power line in a distant desert. Right. And it's also, you know, the Empire State Building. Right. And it's also sort of everything else that that is built, but not built in the way that the house is and and reveals in that way the way in which the house is built. Um, you know, a brick wall is a brick wall and it's every brick wall. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's this brick wall. So so I like and the other thing about this is I liked that the basement has interruption. I like that finished basements often have uh, places where. They they haven't necessarily managed to obscure the um so the, the the they haven't managed to create the sense that a space is exists solely for the benefit of the people in it right like I am in this space and this space existed before I was here and there are interruptions to it that are a consequence of things other than me and the people who came before me here um, and also just that uh that it just it creates this this it's almost like this crystal seed right like there's there's a division in the room what is it for well it's for the house it's not for the room and 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 also the this room could have been anywhere in the house but it's here uh and and then it turns out well it actually couldn't have been anywhere in the house because it's the basement um and again i feel like i'm overthinking but i'm also coming off as kind of crazy but i really do feel passionately about this this was like our tv room this was our playroom this was our my computer room right this was our the the place where we hung out for many years and to have a basement of my own has me very super excited uh, and to have it have these poles in the middle which are terribly inconvenient and you would not want to have in like a living room or a kitchen that feels so at home in a basement um and uh, and i guess we also live in the sort of uh you know property brothers magnolia uh love it or list it whatever it is kind of world where a lot of people are exposed to the notion of of renovating your house right and if it has something like this some sort of dimension that's counterintuitive to the purpose of the rooms that you're trying to create for yourself well then you if you know you can you could find the means to remove it uh excise it and here no i mean you can't because the house would fall down but also because nobody's gotten around to it yet so i like it i like i like subdivisions in basements and i do like that notion that the the purpose of the bottom of the house has been decommoditized somewhat by the willingness to include these sorts of informal structural these sorts of structural elements as informal decorative elements in leisure rooms uh and in a non-self-conscious way uh it's just i'm a huge fan i'm a huge fan so i love basements and i love i love structural supports and and uh, i love uh uh eccentric walls these walls i don't even know what they are they're they're like they're textured. I don't know if they're stucco. I don't know what is behind this paint. There's this thick gray paint that's just all over the house because at one point somebody just said, I'll paint everything. And the only thing <laughs> that can paint everything is gray. Right. Like, uh, and so, um, and so, but these walls are textured almost as if somebody was trying to imitate a cave in a coffee shop. I don't know why it must, might be an old kind of plaster, uh, and maybe it's horsehair plaster or an older kind of plaster. Maybe maybe it's some sort of slurry. I don't. I just don't know. Someday you'll have to come and check it out, Matt, and let me know what this material is. But it adds so much character. Um, and and it's this idea that like yes, people were here and they had a good time, and you're here now and you're part of something. Because uh, <laughs> we wouldn't have we wouldn't have had this crazy wall if if it didn't. And it has a swirly ceiling too. Uh, 
again, it's sort of like a, I don't know, it's not quite stucco. It's kind of a plaster. It doesn't look very modern. Uh, I mean, this house has been here since 1957. So I'm sure this room was put together in a hurry uh, when it was initially put together relatively on the cheap um, and has been kind of slightly, uh, has been augmented greatly since. But uh, at any rate, I'm just fascinated. Um, and so I guess I'm fascinated by my own basement. I'm fascinated by basements and what people do in basements with regards to like harmless activities, right? Like uh, practicing piano and, uh, you know, uh, watching movies and and I don't know. I mean, I look forward to having a basement in part because I'm also having a kid. And I think that it was so valuable to me as a kid growing up to have places that I could retreat to and not, you know, and, and, and have that retreat not be a controversial act. Right. Like I'm not going into my room and slamming my door. I'm going to the basement and uh, and the basement is the sort of it's the foundation. Right. That's 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 the word it's associated with. It's that place you can retreat to. I mean, if home is the place where if you have to go there, they have to let you in. Right. I guess what is the basement then? It's the place where, you know, if if you have to what, if you have to go downstairs, it has to be at the bottom. No, that's not quite right. <laughs> um, it's it's you know, it's the idea that every every house has to have a place that holds it up. Uh, but no, it's it's more like it's uh, it's the place where it's it's the it's the it's the pre alcohol equivalent of the bar. It's it's the it's the pre Starbucks third space because oh, right? so it's so not it's, home. It's, it's not work. It's where everybody knows your name. Exactly, except it's the walls, right? Because they know Optimus because Optimus Prime is here and Donatello and Michelangelo are here and 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 your game of of uh, Jumanji and whatnot is here. Yeah, I'm right? I mean, like, like I'm interested in this idea of a space that you can interact with. Like you talked about swinging uh, swinging on the pole. Were, were you strictly? <laughs> I never turned it into a career. So many things I did in my childhood that I was talented at that I never turned into a career. Well, what, my question, my question is no, is less is less uh, casting you as a stripper in this uh, thing and more. Were, were you allowed? We, we have to investigate the case, Matt. We need to go to this strip club. <laughs> uh, it's so perfunctory. Oh my god, Sorry, it's, it's full of donkeys. The uh, where, where um, were you allowed? Strictly speaking, like black letter law, were you allowed to uh, swing on the pole in the basement or was it like you're going to break the house if you swing on the pole? Oh, no, the I didn't do anything nearly so dramatic. I mean, we're talking about like running past it and kind of reaching the hand around and kind of looping around. Oh, it. Yeah, 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 no, 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 I know. But I feel like there are, there are things that parents have that there are like categorical imper- imperative rules that parents get that like, look, uh, there is potentially an unsafe or like kind of, you know, a, a potentially destructive way to swing on the pole. So you're not allowed to swing on the pole at all because, you know, yeah. that's and that's a much more. Um, adult sort of mentality than than children have, and you know children ignore rules like that pretty much entirely, um, right? Right, because you know there's there's no harm, and it's not going to you know. I suppose if like you and your you know ten closest friends were to swing from the rafters, you could break the rafters, uh, but you know it's never. Um, that that's never going to happen. And like, uh, though from the, as I say, from some sort of categorical imperative point of view, it does, there, there is a case for not, not, uh, not ever swinging on the pole, not ever like interacting with the architecture in a particular way, because there is potentially an unsafe way, um, 
to to do it. Like, and and I I wonder like you know kids ignore that sort of thing because it's fun and they don't have a sense you know speaking of the like the underdeveloped prefrontal cortex or whatever like you don't have uh, uh a sense of what could go wrong but i think also like i guess i i am privileged in that i i grew up without like housing insecurity without like my my house the roof over my head being a site of um you know being a site of uh anxiety for me and and so like uh, you know this this despite i suppose there were some some like moments where we like didn't know where we were going to live after my parents got divorced the the um i i either was young enough that i i didn't understand uh or you know, just it, it never got so bad that, that like, uh, you know, I, I wondered if there would be a roof over my head and that the, so I, I think that like a sense, like getting anxiety about a roof over your head, like alters your relationship to the architecture. Um, mm. you know what I mean? That, oh yeah, for sure. That yeah. like, uh, and, and now, you know, as a homeowner, you will, you will kind of relate to this space in a, in a different way than you related to your living space space as a as a renter uh i think and that like um you know and that like as as an adult you you relate to it in a different way than you did uh than you did as a kid i mean i you know long way it's it's barely overthinking it long long way around the barn to say that that kids are more carefree i suppose than than uh adults are but you know i i don't know it's worth i pointing out i think that like because it has to do with how we sort of how we experience these things, the the kind of the inner narratives and, and our experience of these particular uh, types of types of space that we interact with in our, in our houses or in our lives all the time. Now, when you were talking about having the anxiety of having a roof over your head, were you talking about me or about you? Me. Okay. Cause I have that experience too, right? Where we, I was kicked out of my house as a teenager, like by the sheriff, right. Or as a 20 year old, uh, and so, so I think we both had that kind of experience of being like heavily and abruptly dislocated, right? Sure. Um, yeah. And having our house not be safe for us. And I feel like that's the experience a lot of people have had. And, and especially with the, and if we're just talking about culture, right, the cultural delay in being able to, to really own our own homes, uh, both because of the prices, but I think more also because, you know, the debt burdens that come with student loans and, and, uh, you know, with like, yeah, I mean, commercial debt also on the expense of medical things and just how long it takes with regards to employment to try to get ahead of the game a little bit and save some money up. And when people are getting married and all this other, you know, ramping up the anxiety and crazy, but, but not, not the anxiety and crazy, but more just like, these are all the things that are super, can be super upsetting and anxious, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, Pete. Like, it, I don't. Yeah. I don't see it in my future. Like it. It is. You know, it, if I choose to continue to live in Los Angeles, for sure. Well, right? yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd have to move away. Yeah, for sure. Either that or something like extraordinary would have to happen on the order of like a family. You know, a loss of a family member that I don't particularly care to contemplate. Like uh, right. would have to happen in order for for me to to kind of have enough scratch to like. Uh, make make the down payment on a on a Los Angeles house. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know what it's like. I mean, I also don't know. I mean, we could do another podcast about Los Angeles geography, so I would know just how oh, far away. Yeah, that's that's great, Pete. <laughs> what you can do is you take the one hundred and one. What are you doing here? <laughs> um. 
uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and you know, I don't know. I, I like none of our, none of our sort of big city friends and, and like what's happened is you've sort of moved out of the big city. You've like, you've, yeah. you've moved to, uh, to a charming, like Robert Frosty in small town where good fences make good neighbors. Yeah, except instead of fences, we have a creek uh. um, and trees. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely, it definitely. Oh feels wow! So when sure. you when when you say "God willing, the creek don't rise," you really mean it. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's funny because when we were looking for a place, I had like two criteria, right? And one of them was that it doesn't that it doesn't flood, right? Because I've had so many places I've lived destroyed by floods, and now I have a creek in my backyard and two sump pumps in my garage. Okay. So it's uh it's going to be interesting. It's not even a backyard, right? As I said, it's conservation. It's it's uh, protected wetlands. It's not conservation area, but it's protected wetlands. Mm. Um, and so, but now I guess you know I, I understand their power, and I can hopefully be a good steward of them. Um, and I'm trying to remember what the other what the other uh, criterion was yeah, right. at the beginning of this crazy search. Whose woods? <laughs> whose woods? These are. I think I know. <laughs> they're they're being they're they belong to the EPA though. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, will not it's, it's see been, me stopping here to dump my chemicals in the snow like i have to call the town uh like at some point my wife is going to want a garden and she can't have one now because she's eight months pregnant but uh but she's going to want a garden and i'm going to have to call the town to make sure that we put it in a place where it isn't um you know, violating the constraints around the reserve area, around the reserve area, around the wetland. So if you want to listen to over watershedding it, the new podcast that we're going to put out on watershed management, protected lands, drainage, right? The management of drainage. Uh, I mean, if I were to do something to this, to this creek, obviously I would get in trouble, but I'd also probably flood like three other houses in the neighborhood. <laughs> so that would be bad. Do you, do you, um, but but at yeah. least you get to say like Daniel Day Lewis style, you can say, Drainage. <laughs> if you have a creek, and I have a creek, and I have a straw that goes all the way from my creek to your creek, I drain your watershed. <laughs> I drain it off. Yes. So, uh, so what I, I guess what I would say to close out that last thought also is that. For people who for whom they have this memory of this home and you lose that home for some reason, right, which I think a lot of us in our generation uh, have experienced. And, and there's been this period of suspension, right, where it was not even the beginning of an option. Right. We've we've gone from a situation where we lived in a family of homeowners to a situation of being like a perpetual renter. Right. Which is a very different sort of relationship with your living space. It's I mean, the ways in which this is different are already just amazing me right like like the fact that oh if a window breaks you know i have to fix it right unless of course it's broken by one of the other people who was here and then we have to like dispute with them to get money to fix the window that they broke but but just the idea that that there is a dispute over who broke the window and how much it costs to fix and i am a player in that and that has to be something that i'm concerned about in my life because i live here uh in a in a rented apartment it wouldn't feel the same way at all Right. It's not it's just a very different day to day experience of the things that happen, uh, because I would I would have already submitted to a certain amount of learned helplessness about what's going to happen to the apartment that I live in. Like either the landlord cares or they don't. I've been in places where the landlord cared. I've been in places where the landlord didn't care. And I've been in places where the landlord laughed about the fact that the house you know, was destroyed in a flood or whatever the apartment was destroyed in a flood. And because he, he saved so much money, you know, with the construction um, and, and it's just like. 
it's it's just really amazing the amount of intensity that can go into even the smallest disputes and and I wouldn't even and I think that there's a there's a there's a temptation to re, to refer to it as frivolous and I really firmly don't think it's frivolous I think it is the very necessary and if if you are a renter and nobody is doing this on your behalf or maybe not your behalf but the behalf of the building that you live in like the building is probably in the process of deterioration right like and it, these things need to be fixed they, they you can't just leave them there um yeah buildings they need to are have, like you know building. depreciation happens and amortization happens and you gotta you gotta you know keep up with things you gotta you know you gotta dig the you gotta pull the pull the kelp out of the ocean i don't have a good metaphor no it's it's already going so let you go yeah buildings are are they are like your level of like physical fitness or or your body especially as you age it's either like a constant project that you're never not working on or else it's in a state of deterioration you know and there's uh just every you know there's a reason that all of those servants in Downton Abbey had like steady employment, you know, it's, it's difficult to like, to keep a structure standing, um, you know, to say, to say nothing of like habitable and, and, uh, pleasant to be in, like just, just not collapsing, um, is a huge achievement on a like year by year basis. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's something, right? It 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 does, you know. It does. It's right there. It's tangible too, which is just so powerful. Uh, but I did say that I wanted to talk about Shadows of the Empire and and cheese puffs and Mountain Dew and whatnot. <laughs> but I guess for you, the basement was a virtuous place, right? Where you you practiced and did productive things. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, yeah, did did uh, did musicianship and and things like this. But this is like no. But I'm I'm interested in this. You know, there there was a. Um, there was a clue in today's New York Times crossword, which I now do on on my train commute. Um, not not like uh, I'll, I'll say this for for you know living in the city, like not having to drive forty five minutes, uh, being able to to take a train and not. I, we've I mean we've argued about this before, Pete, because like I, I know uh, the train commute has been very stressful to you at times, but the but for me compared with. Um, the car commute, it's like, uh, just such a huge, huge yeah. improvement. One of the things I do is the New York times crossword puzzle is a three letter clue, three letters, uh, uh, gamblers, gamblers hang out, uh, uh, for short. Oh yeah. No, we did. We just did that one right before I came downstairs. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was den. Uh, it's and, not Dan. No, you didn't get that crossword puzzle, right? Oh, did I not? It's, I haven't it's, it's finished not, it That's yet. not the answer. It's OTB. Oh, really? <laughs> unless, unless you were doing the Thursday New York Times crossword puzzle. <laughs> Maybe it's a different one. Maybe it's a different one. Maybe it was Dan. Uh, but for me, oh, it was, is it? It was okay. I, I actually didn't have any intersections. I did, and I thought like den of uh, gamblers den, but no, it's OTB. oh yeah, yeah. Oh, excellent! You just filled in a clue for me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. Sorry for. I hate spoiling it. But I mean OTBs. Those have a history for us too, right? Like you used to. We I used to live across the street from an OTB. Oh, did back you really? When- Oh, yeah. Back in New York City before. I mean, it's not there anymore. It's way too nice to allow people to indulge those sorts of blue collar vices. Right. Like, oh, not yeah. just because you know, re- the real estate is too expensive. But I the, actually I actually remember that. I, I actually w- would you believe I actually spent some time uh, at the OTB in New Haven, uh, Sports Haven, which was oh, yeah. this cylindrical building. Uh, 
you know, I remember when we went there and, and Shana, Overthinker Shana, won like 50 bucks on a horse. It's a, right? Like it was a good time. Did you spend like significant time there though? Yeah, I mean, I like more than you'd think. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knowing me, knowing my uppity but you, ways. But you were practicing piano the entire time. Right? You were playing the organ <laughs> at the high lie court or something. <laughs> you know, there's there's something to be said for this space in the house that is kind of within the house, but that is also a kind of, I mean, you, you, you referred to third place, the kind of the sociological theory that, that um, some of Starbucks uh, strategy is based on that, like, you need a place that's not home and, and that's not work. And like... You need a place as a kid that's not home and that's not school. And by home, I mean like a parental controlled uh, uh, space. You need like a, a, a little bit of practice, you know, being uh, sort of the master of your own, uh, the master of your own dorm- domain, right? Uh, or at least like in contention for being the master of your own domain. If you have siblings, they never quite let you have it, you know, in the way that you would, in the way that you would completely wish, um, you know, and all, all your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are, you know, supplanted by naked Barbies or, or what have you, you know? So like, so you had a lot of, lot of Cheetos played a lot of, uh, well, that's not my basement. That was my friend Brendan's basement oh, where, it. where, where you go and you play, don't you? Because your friend's basement is a different space than your basement. Yeah. And you have a different relationship with it because that's a place where you really feel like because there also you you have to perform yourself as as a tra- an adult in training for other people, but at the same time you're supposed to be indulging in leisure, right? And in uh, um, and in things that you like, right? It is in I don't I never I don't necessarily feel like I was squeezed out of my basement by my sisters. I feel like we did a reasonably good job of sharing the space, and if anything, I maybe was a little bit too pushy in there myself at times. Um, but going to a friend's house where there were no little kids around, because I, you know, I was much older than some of my sisters, uh, and there, there's no real no children. It's all adolescence. It's a very different. Experience. Let me set your mind at ease, Pete. As, yeah. as an older sibling myself, I can tell you, as an older sibling, that your supremacy over all matters domestic relating to your siblings should be unquestioned. <laughs> that. Uh, that like they sh- loading the dishwasher. That they should do <laughs> what you want at the time that you want it. And uh, and they're I'll they're, run it by them. Yeah, exactly. They're, One they're, of them has a law degree now, and will probably argue the point. The others will also argue the point. Law degree. <laughs> <or not. laughs> Uh, and I, then I will be like, why am I even saying this? <laughs> but when you're in a uh, – why did I even – yeah, exactly. Why did I even bring this matter to court? Um, the, uh, so, so you're in your friend's basement. You're a, you're a uh, young adult or, or potential adult or adult in training performing, performing your hashtag adulting um, for, uh, you know, for others. And so it sounds like there's some anxiety connected with that as well as whatever pleasure and enjoyment might be connected with like hanging out with your friends and, and, you know, playing video games and stuff, drinking Mountain Dew. Mm. One of them. Well, you know, I mean, Mountain Dew, I, that's, it's funny because I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, that's like an anachronism because I don't remember Mountain Dew being as much of a drink of choice for teenage leisure in the time that I was actually a teenager. I remember it being introduced later as a thing that teenagers should have been drinking. Like it was present, but it wasn't like desirable. Uh, But then it became like the halo drink. Right. It became the gamer drink because they, they pushed that so much. Or I don't know whether it's they pushed it or the the gamers pushed it and they pulled. Right. <laughs> I don't I don't think they maybe they didn't create it. Right. Uh, you know, uh, a, a nihilo, uh, but perhaps it, uh, recognized something was happening and urged it along. 
Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just it's 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 a video game space, right? Like a multiplayer video game space because you have room to spread out a little bit. I am curious to hear from listener of our listeners of ours who are outside the United States if this is at all a thing, because I do feel like in much the same way that you've described Los Angeles does not have basements and we're speculating that it's for reasons of terrain. And also when you think there's a lot of space available, why would you put a room below the ground? Mm. Whereas here, and also they, when they were building the houses that are in Los Angeles, people had air conditioning, which is not necessarily the case, right? For the most part in, uh, in some of the older places where there are lots of cellars that are meant for like, you know, cooling various sorts of agricultural things and storing food for long periods of time without refrigeration, although probably not in this house because uh, I'm that old. But um, but I wonder whether the basement, right, as that the 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 the, the home of the the uh, home for gamblers, right, the OTB that we have in our homes, the den that we have that we sort of hide in. How much of that is a phenomenon where you live that people have rooms where, like, you know, the adults store things and do laundry and the uh, the adolescents play video games, play with their toys, run around without hitting anything too pointy. Right. Uh, and are and are kind of allowed a freedom that they're not allowed outside, which is another thing. Right. Maybe I mean, when we were growing up, you were allowed, you know, you most of my friends would walk all over town wherever they wanted or skate or bike. I wasn't allowed to go more than a block away on my bike. Uh but but it was very common, you know. I, I I got to a certain age, which for me was like 16, and I I walked to school sometimes, um, and many people did it much younger. And now the idea of a small child being unaccompanied walking down the street is like horrifying, and people don't do it at all. It seems, uh, at least they do it in places right where this is not the norm. Uh, but in the places that that I think. Um, I would probably live in not by choice that this is the norm, but this is probably the reality there, right? Like you don't send a 10 year old kid walking down the street by himself. Uh, and I don't know. I don't think I would do that. Um, but then it's like, okay, well you let them play outside by themselves. Do they even want to play outside anymore because of the availability of the technology, whatever it is there, you know, and also is it inclement weather and you, you can't go outside cause it's really cold or really rainy. Um, and the basement becomes this space that serves as the outside within the inside. It's an out, it's an outside space on the inside. Mm. Uh, and, uh, it's an under space that's above. It's an outside space that's within. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's part of the contradiction of it that, that I love so much. Um, it's so interesting. And, uh, yeah, I just wonder whether other people have that or they have something else similar to it in their homes. Because when I've traveled to other places, it's always been to hotels, right, or like uh, lodging houses. I mean, I've been to many buildings that have basements, but like Voltaire's tomb doesn't count. Right? Like, uh, you know, I, I've been in I've been standing there looking at the at the at the the 70, the uh, sarcophagus of Toussaint Louverture. I would not necessarily describe myself as being in the basement right? like uh, but um, but I don't know. I mean, the basement, perhaps. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, I wonder I I wonder whether how widespread this is I feel like it's a cultural experience that I take entirely for granted as being normal, 
Uh, I mean, maybe it's because it, it appears in Stranger Things, too, right? And as a retro thing from the time period, I have to imagine that prior to that, at some point, basements, by and large, were not finished places for kids to hang out. I, of course, have a great fondness for wood panel basements. My we The basement where I had as a kid was like that originally, and my parents took the wood paneling down, and I, of course, didn't like it because I was a child and had no taste. Although we <laughs> did look at many houses that had wood paneling online, and we're like, we both agreed, you know, the wood paneling would be fine. We would totally take a place with wood paneling. It, it didn't end up working out. But um, the wood paneling is a thing, right? You, did you have wood paneling rooms that were notable to you as a child? No, it wasn't. I mean, the, a lot of the the houses where I, where we ended up living, I, both pre and post divorce, um, were Spanish style houses, and so right, right. wood paneling wasn't really part of it. A lot of terracotta tile, but uh, you know, not a lot of of. Of wood paneling. I mean, I'm I'm curious about sort of the role. I'm curious about like adult basements. You know that mm. uh, you know man we, caves. This is not a man cave. It is a basement. Well, it's a den, but it's not the man cave. It is but what do you mean by adult it is, basement? It is an OTB. Well, like uh, <laughs> our our uh, we have a friend who has a, a woodworking studio in his basement oh, yeah. in Philadelphia. You know, and that's like. Um, it it is you know most assuredly not a a place that is sort of safe for kids and is like a you know um sort of outdoor in, indoor outdoor outdoors a, a bit of the outside on the inside uh place like a place where the rules around like eating cheetos and drinking mountain dew can be relaxed a little bit um you know because it's dangerous there there are sharp woodworking tools everywhere and and uh they're largely in the basement because his two young children can't get there um right, right. you know so it's 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 its inaccessibility rather than its accessibility that gives it its usefulness um that that uh that sort of basement exists uh as well uh i is that too too man cavey i i not sure. No, no, no. I mean, I still have a garage. I still have a we've we've converted the basement. The garage gym is actually on the other side of a door behind me. And uh, yeah, we've I've, I've been, took all my equipment from the garage gym at home and I put it into the garage here, which is adjacent to the basement. And I do relish the uh, fact that with that door closed, a kid can't get into it. And the idea that the basement also represents certain geogra- geographical barriers that a small child can't uh, traverse without you being aware of it is, is I think, a blessing because I, it is a shame to have to remove everything from your house that would hurt someone if you were to drop it on their head, mm. right? It was because there are certain things, you know, that, that you want to be able to exercise the faculties you developed over time that endow you with the ability to not drop it on someone's head but that's not easy to do if someone is like running under you by surprise mm. <laughs> you you want to be able to control your environment at least a little bit whether it's woodworking whether you're doing electronics or electrical work and making robots or you know you have a 3d printer or you're lifting weights i definitely feel like and i wouldn't necessarily say that those are i think a workshop and a man cave is a different concept the man cave just feels like such a uh such a simulacrum, right? Of a simulacrum, such a such a nostalgic thing for a thing that never existed. <laughs> this idea that, like, yeah, when men were men and they had rich couches in their private home spaces, buttery, where they would buttery, buttery leather barca loungers in there, filled with ice that was filled with drinks. And I'm not saying it's not awesome because a good man cave can, really, you know, as it were, a room with all those things in it, in particular, as much as the word makes me cringe because partially it it implies that you can't invite other people into it. For 
for some reason. But a room like that can be awesome. What you mean, like um, women? No women in the man cave. <laughs> it's a man that's not what cave. It means. Right. I mean, that's not what people mean when they say it. So this is what it makes me feel like. And if it makes you feel something different, that's fine. I'm not trying to criticize you. But uh, but but I do think it is funny that it is a cave and yet it is often highly technologically advanced. <laughs> right. And so there's this manufactured sense of it being uh, ancient. Right. And it being primal. Uh, which which is a different sort of way of looking at this kind of room than the notion that it is foundational, right, or the notion that it is useful to the house and not to you, right? That the that the room is even a little bit hostile to you being in it, uh, is 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 that's the similarity between the the basement and the cave and the man cave. I think is the notion that you're something of an interloper while at the same time uh, uh, a sort of uh, honored an honored. Uh, territorial presence right it's like uh it's a cave it's not a house it wasn't made for you uh but you made it your own by nesting in it i suppose um hibernating from time to time yeah i mean uh, there, it, there, it is interesting like to think of like the comp the compromises that are that are made right like so let's like let's unpack the sort of the the sexist underpinnings of the man cave right the house is the place of domesticity and domesticity is governed uh, by the the female half of a uh, heterosexual married couple, right? Let's get uh, mm-hmm. we're getting heteronormative, we're getting sexist, and we're uh, we're just really unpacking the the cultural baggage around that, right? And so you know, so though though men are are capable of pretending, you know, and are capable of functioning uh, socially in within the domestic sphere. Uh, in fact, they are savages, and their savage nature needs a um, uh, a realm, right, in which it can be expressed. Uh, am I doing right, okay right, so right. far? Sure, sure, definitely. I'll, I'll introduce an alternative view on it, but I'm curious to see where this goes for sure. So there needs to be, uh, so so he- hence we need a man cave, right? Like we need a we need a place that is a bit of the outside on the inside. It is a bit of the it is a bit of the campfire under the roof, right? It is the uh, a place where. Um, it, it is a place where the kind of the, the domestic law, you know, the female domestic law, um, can be suspended, uh, momentarily. Right. And that, that like, you know, that that has a value, um, because it, it's sort of, because it's sort of a compromise, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, um, I had friends once married friends who kept kosher, uh, for the most the most part the the wife of the couple was jewish and the husband was not and so uh he was allowed a small cube fridge uh you know in which the the rules of kosher could not be kept right there was this sort of accommodation you know um the idea that like the and and uh they joked about it and called it the fridge of sin and they mm-hmm. um like uh, so there was an accommodation, you know, there, there was like an exception, there was an exception to the, uh, to the rules kind of much in, in the same way that we've been talking about the basement as kind of a, a, a liminal space between, between society and lawlessness. Um, so that's right. That's, that's the man cave and like set, set aside for a second. I'm, I am curious about your alternative, uh, explanation for it, but like set aside for a second, the, um, uh, you know, the kind of the, the, 
uh, sexist origin story that I've told about it. Like I am, I'm curious, I am interested in the idea of like, uh, of sort of building accommodations into your Mm. space, right? Like building, building into the kind of the thought technology into your kind of narrative of your, uh, home space and like how you how you live in it and how you relate to it, kind of incorporating into that the idea that like of course of course like you can't be lawful good one hundred percent of the time, right? And that that needs you need you need a pole upon which to swing, you know you need a uh, you need a place where you can like just eat eat Fritos right out of the bag, you know without la- and like wipe your wipe your hands directly on the carpet and not or or the the furniture without you know your mom yelling at you or something like that and that that this you know this sort of this playroom type of thing this accommodation is is sort of necessary anyway what, mm. what were you about to say about about man caves and and uh, the alternative origin thereof? oh I, I mean i like your explanation of it a lot in that the man cave is the mr bates space huh. right because we as we complained about season five of downton abbey the reduction of mr bates to a threatening masculine presence that has to be treated as if it has no continence or volition right it just it's going to engage in vengeance and it needs to be kept in circumstances such that that vengeance cannot be allowed to destroy itself or others right the the other alternative i suppose which is i think still very rooted in various sorts of sexist ways of thinking right is the notion and is the the internalized notion that the 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 man that that all of the space is the man's because the man is responsible for all the space and which in turn becomes something that takes your power away, because if you think of yourself as the person that has to provide the home to everybody else, then it's not your home and you don't have an opportunity to turn it off. Right. And so, like, there's there's a great Onion article uh, from a long time ago. I think it might even just be a headline, which is something like dad just wants to come home and watch television uninterrupted for seven hours. <laughs> right? Like, that's all he wants. <laughs> Why can't he just do that? Right. Uh, which is which is the sort of what happens when you deny that you do have a need to rest. Right. This sort of notion that it's like even when I'm resting, I'm working. I can't kind of relax or allow myself to to chill. Right. Uh, Like the beers that are inside the armrest of my cool man cave couch. I I don't I don't have I mean, the irony being that, like, you know, you know, Virginia Woolf is looking for a room of her own. Well, I forgot to build one into this entire house that I pay for right, and insist that I have to be the only one to pay for. Right. Um, And and it's that I I have all the rooms, but I don't live in any of them. I, I just I just play my role and I just exist. And and this notion, I think that that it is injurious to the prosperity of men, uh, and I'm speaking particularly for people who are engaging with the traditions of masculine identity, right? As like that is what is part of your identity. That is what you're doing. The reasons for it are not particularly concerning, but this is part of who you are, and and uh, and you're and you're engaged with it in some way. Um, to to see your primary worth as being what you can do for people, for other people, particularly women and children. Right. And this notion that like, you know, yes, you are, you, you have to have this authority and this respect and people can't talk sideways to you, but also you've internalized the idea that your worth is what you do for these other people. And, uh, and that if you, if you don't recognize the part of your life that sort of is about kind of sustaining and caring for you that you are responsible for, I think that it comes out in these sort of weird ways, 
that involve, you know, uh, that don't involve really being necessarily open and giving, but end up in this sort of war with uh, torturous emotional repression, right? And the, the idea that, like, you know, you have to sit in silence watching television because you're not really because nobody wants to hear what you have to say because then you wouldn't be the person that you need to be for them right and uh, and you're the only one who thinks that right like yeah you might get reinforced in that way very negatively uh, or very positive like positive reinforcement of a punishment nature even from people you care about for stepping out of line and for acting insufficiently masculine and you might be worried that your partner will leave you because she might have said that she would or something like that right like, which is I think what a lot of us have experienced from time to time over the years uh, not with my current partner thankfully but like uh, uh, and I'm not speaking about anybody specifically, just sort of a general experience that's happened many times. Um, but but so right. So so an important part of what being being pr- being shamed for for showing any vulnerability at all. Pete, yes. They, they yes. say that they want you to open up. <laughs> You know, wow. here's the we, thing. We, you, we, you remember the negative experiences a lot more than the positive ones, right? Sometimes, right? Like it's uh, it, it, people only have to tell you that they'll leave you for being emasculine a couple of times for it to really scare you. Uh, but the but, second um, you do, well, wow, we're going to turn into the Joe Rogan podcast before. I don't know if we're. I don't know if, if Joe Rogan is on his wavelength. Um, but, but what I'm saying <laughs> is that the purpose uh, that a man cave the man caves are, are largely self. Are, are largely kind of self-aware, right? They are they are performative, campy spaces, um, and and they ha- and even if they are not openly acknowledged as such, right? They're performative, campy spaces that are uh, that are that are a room for you know enjoying and sustaining and caring for yourself. They're really self-care rooms. Right. And, and they're, they're like little spas that you give yourself little, little, little rooms, right. Where you get to watch TV or have a cold beverage or talk to a friend. If you watch Saturday night live, did you watch, did you watch John Mulaney's Saturday night live last week, by the way? Uh, no, well, I watched, I watched bits of it. I watched the, the bit that was a, uh, a medley of Broadway songs about LaGuardia airport, which yes. was, was surreal and glorious. You know, he, he gave a great monologue about the difficulties of male friendship in your adult life. Uh, and one of the, one of the great parts of it was like, you know, you know, your, your dad has no friends, right? (laughs) And like, and your dad has no friends and your dad has no friends. And you know who had lots of friends? You know, Jesus had lots of friends and it's amazing because he was 33 and he made 12 best friends and, and and your dad, you know, if, if he's lucky, he gets to go fishing like one time with you, but you know, Jesus and his friends got to go fishing every day, right? Like, and it's, and there's something about that that really stuck with me, right? Which is that like, Jesus's friends went fishing together every day. Now, granted, it was their job, right? Like they were fishers, they were fishermen. It was their gig. But, but the, but the way, reason that that's funny is it sort of speaks to this yearning, and I, and I am experiencing it, you know, here approaching fatherhood and living out in the middle, not in the middle of the woods. I mean, we're right off the highway, but, but we're in, you know, surrounded by trees, and, and this notion of like, you know, where's the psychological space? that I need to create for myself to inhabit in order for me to have the excess resources left over to care for other people in the way that I kind of want to. And honestly, kind of feel as necessary because of who I am. And that's the question. And so to the degree that, that the man cave is a product of sexism, I would say that it is also this product of this internalized paradox of where, where you never, where you see other people as your purview, but not yourself. 
right? Where, where, and where maybe you've been reinforced to feel that way, that other people are your responsibility, but you yourself aren't a responsibility for yourself. And, and, and part of, of what you're retreating from in having a kegerator, right, is the notion that there can be no space for you. Uh, and it's a notion that can be self-enforced as well as something that reinforced by your ideas. Um, and I guess, I mean, I mean, this is just my thinking, this right? Is about why, this is why, these kinds of this, by the way, this, by the way, is why patriarchy is bad for everyone. Like, uh, you know, sy- sy- systemic oppression oppresses everyone. Not everyone suffers equally from it, uh, you know, in the final analysis, but, uh, it, it, um, being, being forced to buy a Barca lounger, you know, because of, uh, because of, uh, the, the kind of internalized assumptions and, and, uh, anxieties, um, around your masculine identity because patriarchy, you know, is, uh, it be, be, I can think of few worse fates than being forced to buy a Barca lounger. You know? I don't know. I mean, look, a good couch is a great, is a good couch. I, I mean, if you haven't had a good couch, Matt, I mean, there was a lot of things in life that I haven't tried. Uh, good couch is not one of them. Uh, I recommend a good couch. I have. Oh, uh, Pete, I have a good couch. It's extraordinarily tasteful and made from the finest linen. <laughs> <laughs> I will also say that I'm a big fan of of masculine gender expression. I participate in it every day. Um, but like all good things that are masculine, you have to be willing to take a wrench to it. Right. It's it's not going to purr all the time. It's been around the block a little bit. You know, all of the all of the little joints are, are rattling a little bit. You got to get in there. You got to know how it works and you have to be willing to take it apart and put it back together again. And that's the most masculine thing that you can do with that situation. <laughs> So um yeah absolutely. I, I don't I don't know what the yeah. uh I don't know what the the who the the male Judy Norsig Norsigian is but uh I I guess we should call this podcast our houses ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this has been an hour of Pete and Matt talking to each other. First basement podcast, <laughs> podcast from the basements. <laughs> Love it. Uh, as we call it the overthinking of podcast we'll be back next week with more overthinking until then visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it, it probably, probably doesn't deserve, deserve.